You are now tuned in to the AddictedToSuccess.com podcast, where geniuses, entrepreneurs, and next-level game-changers share their juicy little secrets on achieving massive success. This is the advice you wish you heard years ago. Be prepared and take note as we expose the realness and the raw of what it takes to be successful on AddictedToSuccess.com. Now, before we get into this episode, I just wanted to share with you a gift from our sponsors, Organic. And if you head over to Organifi.com, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com and type in the code SUCCESS, whenever you purchase an order, you get a 20% discount on any of their products. You know, I've been using the green juice from Organifi for a couple weeks now and I can absolutely say this one here is a game changer. This is a superfood powder that saves me the time from having to mix five or six uh, different containers of superfood it's just all there in the packet for me and I take it every single day and I feel absolutely amazing I have that mental clarity I feel a hell of a lot healthier and I get this burst of energy that can only come from a natural substance and so I speak highly of Organifi and its benefits and I know that there are a number of people out there right now that would love to operate at optimal levels so if you're looking for something that is not only nutritious but also delicious then jump on to Organifi head over to Organifi.com use a discount code they've got a number of awesome products right there I also take the probiotics and the turmeric as well and I just feel so on point with this awesome line of products so make sure you head over there Thank you for checking out this sponsor ad. Let's get into this interview. Welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. I'm your host, Joe Brown. I'm here today with the man, Daniel DiPiazza. He's got his book, Blowing Up Everywhere Online. All right. And you got to get your hands on this book first and foremost. Essentially, the book is called Learn How to Ditch Your Average Job, Build an Epic Business and Dominate Your 20s. Okay. So this is the Rich 20-something book. Daniel is the founder of Rich 20-something. Uh, he's, he's got a massive social media following online. Daniel and I connected in LA a couple years ago. Yep. This guy's a hustler, game changer, and he is ready to make waves in the world. So Daniel, welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. Thank you yeah. so much, my friend. Uh, what an amazing intro. And it's almost as good as the intro that I've made for myself over the past couple of days with all these interviews, but I'm happy to be here. <laughs> What's the intro you made for yourself? Um, I've, been, I've been testing out different intros. Um, so, you, know what, you know what's really funny is that some people now that I'm, that I'm doing these interviews with, uh, because I'm getting different radio spots with the publisher, these people have right. no idea who I am. So they're like, right. hey, Daniel DePisa from Rich 20s. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> how's it going? It's just funny because we were talking about this before the call. We said we probably live in a universe of 10 million people who know about entrepreneurship online and everyone outside of that knows nothing about this. Totally, totally, totally. But they should. That's yeah. the thing. They should know, right? Oh, yeah. So give us a breakdown. In a nutshell, what can we expect from this book? Like if you could, if there was one result that people could walk away from this book with, what would that one result be that you desire most for them? I'm going to give you two results. Okay. Let's do it. The first one, clarity. Mm-hmm. So we're talking to a lot of millennials right now. And by the way, I just looked this up. So this is official. Millennials are anywhere from 1982 to 2004, which is a pretty big age range. Um, I didn't know that it went back that far or went that far into the future. But so this age range, this gap of like 
25 years or so, there is this weird thing going on now where we have so much information thrown at us that rather than creating more clarity with all these options, it actually confuses it. We have so much that we could be doing that we don't do anything. And sometimes having too many options is just as much as a problem as having not enough options. So Rich 20-something, the book, is my honest and accurate account of what it takes to go from I have no idea to I have an idea to I'm trying my idea out to, hey, I'm making money with my idea. And this is a long process, uh, but it can be shortened a lot with the book. So clarity, clarity is the first part. What should I be doing with my time? How should I be spending it? Okay. Second thing, um, I would say it's a little bit of, um, of, I guess the word would be relief because one thing I'm also noticing too is that a lot of people online, they'll see you and I and they'll be like, oh, look, Joel really has things figured out. Daniel really knows what he's talking about. And yeah, mm. to a certain extent, we've lived our lives and we figured some things out at this point. You just passed 30, right? Yeah. I'm an 80s baby, dude. I'm an 87. Oh. What, what year are you? 86? 88. 88. 88. Yes. So yeah. we figured out as much as we could figure out in this time frame. But also, I think people will realize as they're reading the story, um, because I tell a lot of my personal story through this, it's not just a tactical book. That Good. You don't always know what the next step is going to be. And the, the solution to that is trying a bunch of things. So yeah. I don't come from this perspective of, I figured out the way and this is the way to do it. I say, look, I tried a bunch of things. Here's what worked for me. Try this. But I think that also gives people a lot of relief because they know that if they don't know what's going on, that's okay. Most of us don't either, but you learn from the people who've gone a couple of years in front of you and you get a lot of good results that way. Mm, super crucial, man. Super crucial. You know, I feel like there's probably a good 80% of people on this call that could definitely benefit from that clarity piece alone. Yeah. And that's just one part of the book. Yeah, man. Yeah. Clarity is huge. Love it. Tell me this, Daniel. What's your superpower? My superpower is consistency. Mm. I am, I, in fact, I just, I think the domain name just expired, but I used to own the domain name, themostboringmanalive.com <laughs> because my girlfriend was like, you are, because I, I, one of my things is I work a lot. And so that's another thing I'm trying to also find a balance between, but I'm working so much. And she's like, you are the most boring man alive. You're always working. And I said, you know what? I am the most boring man alive. I'm going to buy that domain. And it's kind of become like our inside joke. So whenever she's mad at me, I'll just send her, I'll just text her the URL. And it just has a big picture of my face. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think I let my webmaster like, like um, delete it. I'll have to get it back because people are going to steal it now. But, right. <laughs> um, but I think that consistency is something that also kind of is a weird, is a weird um, gray area with young people as well. Because again, going back to the fact that there are so many things we could be doing that it, we think, well, all right, well, maybe if I just try this one week, then the next thing, the next week, then the next thing, the third week. And so now we have, we're, we have like five side businesses, five projects, and none of them are really working well. And I think that a lot of times consistency with one thing is going to lead you a lot further than toe dipping and all these different things. And I think that's something our generation probably has been lost, lost to. Amen, brother. Yeah, we see eye to eye on that for sure. Yeah. 
the domain thing's really funny. Uh, <laughs> here's a story. I was uh, talking with somebody. It was at like a kind of like a meetup event style thing after I did a speech. And uh, we were talking about domain names. And I said, oh, you know what's funny? I've got a bunch of domains. Because one guy's like, yeah, domains are like online real estate. I was like, yeah, that's a good, good way to look at it. And I said, yeah, I've got about 100 something domains. Like what domains? And I was like listing a few of them. And I was like, yeah, this and that. And I said, you know, addicted to motivation.com, addicted to sex.com. And the guy starts really? laughing and his girlfriend was there and she said, you can, you can tell a lot about someone by their domain. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 no. That's not why I got it. I said, I wanted to like really secure the whole, because I got obviously addicted to to success.com and so I was like I need to go and get all these other addicted because all these people started copying that and doing their own version of totally. addicted to shoes addicted to you know these other stuff so I got like addicted to books and addicted to inspiration and because I didn't want I wanted to block that out you know yeah 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 so that's funny that just brought back that memory that's funny stuff um yeah man so look the thing about writing a book is you create for yourself a lot of clarity too right like when you're oh, writing yeah. it's like journaling and you're really getting clear on who you are so you know, I know you, man. We've known each other for a couple of years or probably in a few years now. And I, one thing that really I, I have noticed lately is you've become so self-aware of who you are. And it's so awesome to see you like step into that and embrace it and go like, it, it's just your power just picks up tenfold when you know who you are. So what would you say uh, is your definition of success now after writing that book and really getting more clear on who you are and what drives you and, and what you are, are looking at sharing with the world? That's a great question, man. And, I, and I, I'm glad that you noticed that. One of the things that I've done to make that effort more clear in my own life is just a, like a very simple example would be I stopped reposting other people's stuff on social media. I don't, I don't repost old quotes. I either make it or I make a video. That's it. Because I think that social media is becoming like an echo chamber where everyone's just saying the same thing. And I want to have original viewpoints. So that's, that's one, one way I've, I've tried to step out from the pack. And in terms of like stepping into my own, in terms of what I learned from the book and what clarity I've gained and what I see as success now, a couple things. Um, this is actually fresh. So I'll tell you some new stuff that's developed. Uh, so recently I like from, from 2014 up through now, it's been a crazy ride. I got this, I moved to California in at the end of 13, beginning of 14 and life really started to pick up. And, uh, and later in 15, I got the, an agent and a book deal and things were starting to pick up. Career was taken off and things were falling into place. We're making more money. And I went out and bought my nice cars and the clothes and all that stuff. And I started to feel like I was, I was feeling like uh, I was feeling good. And then somewhere along the way, it started to feel a bit empty because I was trying to, I was basically just looking at other people and saying, well, the successful people are doing this. So I'm going to do that because hopefully I'll feel the same way they feel about themselves when I do this. I just, and it's like, I kept, it's like I kept eating the ice cream, but I didn't, I, I couldn't taste it anymore. Couldn't taste it. Um, and then I kind of hit a rock bottom point uh, when my grandmother died a few months, like in like, I don't know, less than a year ago. Um, and I was just like devastated because she raised me. And so I was really, really fucked up about it. And I went through this really deep depression uh, piece, like where I was just completely out of my mind depressed. And, um, and then when I came out of it, like that was January of 17. And I had to immediately start working on this book. So I didn't have a lot of time to breathe. 
Um, so it was just, it was just, it was just like from the depths of hell to like, go, 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 go. And now as the book is resolving, I'm getting to see, to look back now on like a very stressful period combined with like a lot of outward success, what, what other people would see as success. And I get to ask myself that question. What to me is successful? And I'll tell you this. My girlfriend left for 10 days uh, about a week ago. She was in Singapore. And so I was in the house by myself. And I was thinking to myself, none of this is worth it if I'm not with the people that I care about. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Like my, I'm spending all this time working on this fucking book, which is a great book. Everyone should buy it, et cetera, et cetera. But like I'm spending all this time working on this book. I'm spending all this time trying to make money, spending all this time posting on social media, trying to inspire other people. And I need to be in touch with my parents who are about an hour and a half away. When my girlfriend comes back, I need to really fucking appreciate her because we've been together for over six years now. And if you're going to make that commitment to someone, it shouldn't be a half-ass six years. It should be like the real deal. Okay. And I need to start eating better again, working out better. So like all that stuff, I had to throw out all the stuff that I thought was going to make me feel successful. And I had to get back to the roots. had to really start paying attention to the people around me because I wasn't focused in the present, dude. So for me, success is being able to wake up in the morning without the anxiety of worrying about a future that doesn't exist. When you're in business a lot, you're constantly obsessing about things that could happen, what's going on, numbers, you know, agendas, but I need to focus on the people that are right in front of me, even though a lot of my daily work revolves around me touching people in all of these different places. It has to start with here. So my success now, I feel like is, it is going to be tied directly to people that I care about. And I should operate my business in a way that supports them rather than try to operate my business and then just fit them in somewhere. The, the parents don't get fit in. The parents are the, are the central focus and the business gets fit in. It's different, you know? And that changes the way I think about my business. Now I think, is there a way I can get this done in three hours rather than six so I can go see my parents? You know what I'm saying? It's different. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that vibes so much. We were talking about this just before we jumped on this interview. Uh, I feel like this last year has just been me working on the systems for my business so that I am then in a space where I can create time with my partner, with my family, with my friends, for myself, for my faith. And like those things that like, you know, spirituality is is, is very important to have that practice. If you're Mm -hmm. so in your business and not thinking about something bigger than yourself, it's missing. Totally. You feel empty. Totally. Like I know, dude, I know people that are worth like hundreds of millions. I would never trade places for those people. They can have it. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. It's not everything. It's not everything. So if you're listening right now, it is not everything. I'm going to tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. Kanye West says, uh, money ain't everything, but not having it is. (laughs) (laughs) I get what, and I get what you're true, but you need uh, to, you need to make a certain amount to realize that when you get there, that's not, everything it's not what you actually need yeah, yeah because yeah. then you're like what's beyond that when you start asking the really important questions of like who am i why am i here what's beyond the money like what's beyond the business what if someone took my business away what would i do like all those things are really important i feel like so many people are uh, never never ask those important questions they just sit in you know looking and being a spectator and like or, or being in the game but like trying to be like someone else yeah well, you know, and that's why I asked you what your definition of success is. If you know what that is, then you get to go get that. But if you don't, then you're going to try and grab and grasp somebody else's. 
Yeah, I mean, totally. And also, I mean, without going too far down the rabbit hole, none of this shit's real. Like, it's not real. You know, I mean, the, the, a, lot, a lot of the stuff that we're doing, especially because we're in the online space, like literally, if you deleted the internet, our stuff goes away. You know, <laughs> I have a book now, so that's great. You, you got to burn this, I guess. But I mean, a lot of the stuff that we're doing is, it's literally the, it's the physical, I don't want to go, I, I didn't know I was going to have this type of podcast, but it's the physical. We're going, we're going, man, dude. We're going <laughs> it's the physical manifestation of thoughts. Like you thought uh-huh. of, what if there was a place where people could become motivated? And what if I could write articles like that? And then Addictive Success was born. But like, it's just words on a screen that inspire yeah. people to make, to do fit. Like, it's not really real, you right. know? So if that goes away, you have to be okay. Because yeah. if, it's, if it's not, you're too tied to that. You, well, like, you still have a physical body and you still have a, a brain and a mind. So like, you just have to distance yourself from that stuff sometimes, you know? It's so true, dude. I, you know, I coach a lot of people that are looking at building online businesses, right? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I really get on them and, and like I ask them, like, what are they looking at, uh, at creating? And then I give them some strategies and steps and we talk about mindset. And they're telling me this idea and I can tell, I can just absolutely tell them like, uh-uh, that's not it. And they're yeah. like, no, 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 it's it. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not it. And they're like, yes, it is. they're like, oh, okay. If they say, yes, it is. And they fight me on it. I'm like, okay, that is because sometimes, man, it just, I'm like, it doesn't have heart. I can feel it. It doesn't yeah. have heart. It's not there. Yeah. And it's not going to last the ages, yeah. you know, like it needs to like, we were talking about the long game before you need to have heart in it. Otherwise the long game just won't be there. It'd be this short term win. It'd be this unfulfilling reach for something, you know, and that's the thing, like, yeah, addicted to success is just words. But if, if I have my heart in it, I, that can translate into so many different avenues and fields and, you know, oh, yeah. streams of income can be created in so many different ways because like my heart and my soul and my passion is it like my soul screams out for this stuff, man. Yeah. This is why we're doing this. Oh, yeah. It's not like I'm doing it because James Altucher does it or <laughs> like Jordan Harbinger. It's like, I do this because like my soul's going, Joel, yeah. do this. And I get to meet people like you, you know, and we get to like jam out and create epic stuff together. Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. We're on the same page. Yeah. I love it, man. I love it. So what would you say, you know, after writing this book, what would you say, uh, was it, was it like a, uh, astounding thing that you came across something where you were like throughout your research or maybe even just like a story or something that came up that happened that you put in the book. You're like, wow, this really absolutely needs to be in the book. You excited about putting it in the book? Well, a couple of things with the book writing process is interesting. And I think that uh, some of it, so if you're, if you're listening to this and you've written a book, this might seem obvious, but most of us haven't written books. So this is my first experience with this. The first thing is with writing a book, um, even after I'd written hundreds, possibly over a thousand articles, um, I still hadn't quite found my voice for this particular book. Um, Cause the book is different than articles because it has to be, cohesive and it has to have a theme and it, it's just, it's different. Um, so I probably didn't find like the first, the first couple pieces, the first, I would say the first, I don't know, 50% of the book felt like a little bit of drudgery to write. Cause I was like, Oh, just uh, type type thing. I, I was doing like the one finger peck thing, you know, and it just took forever to write. <laughs> it just was really, it was miserable. Um, and then the last half of it was really easy because as soon as I found my voice, just as, soon, as soon as I found it, it just flowed. And part of, the, so, so I, finished, I finished the whole book, to put it in perspective, finished the whole book um, between February and 
end of May. So it was a relatively short time. Well, yeah, I, wow, it was short. That what February, March, April, May. So like three and a half months, okay, of, of focus writing. But I would say that most of the book got written in about probably four of those weeks. And probably most of that got written, like we're really talking 80-20. Most of that got written in about five or six days. So really, most of this book was written in a few days. Um, just like Sylvester Stallone wrote Rocky in a night. Okay. And the interesting thing about it is one of the things that helped me to free up my voice and one of the most astounding things I learned from writing it was that when you're working on something creative, you're your own worst enemy. And once I stopped editing as I was writing, it flowed. When you are writing something and then you're reading what you're writing because you're an egotistical narcissist like me and you're reading your writing and thinking, oh, wow, this is so good. I'm a really good writer. You always find things you don't like about it. And then you go back and you restructure it and you're like, oh, this sentence doesn't work for what I'm going to do later, da, da, da. And that takes 10 times the amount of time. So what I did was I took this, I just brain dumped. I'm talking about, I didn't have any Adderall available to me. So this is pure brain power. Okay. I just, <laughs> I just dumped. I have like 120 pages of just pure brain droppings. No edits, didn't correct punctuation, weird spelling, don't care. And from that messy amorphous blob, I pulled out most of this book. And that blob just showed me how much I actually had sitting up in there and what's possible to unlock once you learn how to do this. And so it also revealed to me that um, creativity is like a learned skill. It's not like, like art. When we think, a lot of people think of creativity, they think of art, like, oh, I'm not a painter, you know, but creativity is a skill and, and art is one subset of that. You can learn how to be creative, though, and you can teach yourself. Um, and once you get good at being creative, it seems easy. Uh, Pablo Picasso made 43,000 works of art between painting, drawing, sculpting, metalwork, collages. And so, you know, he had a process for creating. It wasn't just random. And that's what we want to get to as creators. We want to figure out what that process is. So I found the first tip of the iceberg with the book. Wow. I love that story about how you just, that, that example of uh, Picasso. I remember hearing a story of him where he was, he was out somewhere and someone said, Hey, P Picasso, could I have a picture? Mm -hmm. And so he like drew it on a napkin and it literally took him like 10 minutes. And he said, here you go. And he said, it would be like, it was like $10,000. And she's yep. like 10,000. And he's like, yes. And she said, but you did that in 10 minutes. He said, yes, but I've been painting. I've been an artist for like the last 50 or something like that. So it's like, uh -huh. it just shows you, right? Like that time span. That's what you need to value is the work that you put in. I have a lot of people I coach. I'm sure you do too, man, in the online world where they're struggling with what their value is, what their price points should be. It's like, really think about how much time have you invested in this craft? So, how much oh. money have you put on the table? How much have you experimented? And you be honest about it, right? Cause there's a lot of people that can BS themselves. It's like, be really honest and genuine about it. Um, on the the writing point and my mind's kind of going like boom, boom, boom. it's got so like all these things are flashing off man we vibe so well i love it when we you know oh, yeah. resonance oh, yeah um hemingway probably isn't the best person to get advice from because <laughs> of his life life ended but he did say something along the lines of like um write drunk edit sober and i think it goes back to that whole like what you're saying where it's just like right 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 uh someone told me you know because i'm writing my book right now too and someone said to me like save it for the editors yeah. And I was just like, what do you mean? They're like, just save it for the editors. Like do what you can with the best ability that you can and let your free flow yeah. like drop in and then just save the rest for the editors, like the grammar and the spelling and all that other stuff. 
you know, because you want to make it fun, man. It's, this isn't just a book, like with anything, right? Creating a product or like speaking on yeah. stage, like, you know, that's, that's really what it's about. So, Daniel, can you break this down for us real quick? Uh, how do you monetize online yourself, like with your business? What, mm-hmm. What's worked for you and what do you feel we should avoid if, as listeners that are like stepping into this space, if there are some aspiring entrepreneurs listening to this that want to, you know, live that, I guess you call like laptop lifestyle, at least a lifestyle where they're not working a nine to five, they ditch their job, you know? That's a good question. I've been thinking about this a lot too. Um, and maybe I'll talk about something that is a little bit controversial. Um, yeah. I think online courses are big right now, but I think you need to be careful. Yeah. Because I think that that's very bloody water. I think that when you think about blue ocean strategy, you think about what is new out there and what's going to actually make money. I think that, um, that we should be aware of trends. So everyone right now is getting in on a few key things with online business. People are making courses. People are doing like e-commerce, drop, drop shipping, Shopify type stuff. Um, and then there's like always going to be affiliate stuff that's around. And I think that the first thing is you have to decide whether you want to be um, in the business of like selling your personality or selling a product. Um, for me, it, it made sense to start building Rich 20 as like a personal brand and then sell courses because I, I learned business by freelancing, by literally getting clients for web design or for SAT tutoring or for shit dog walking. Like I was just figuring out how to get clients. So I built Rich 20 because of that. But if you don't have experience in that, that's okay but don't build courses on things you don't know about because there's a lot of people now who are building courses because courses are trendy, but it's creating even more and more shit that is just clogging up the market and it's not helpful to anybody. It's not going to be good for you. So if you're going to make a course, you got to be really, really, really good at it. It has to be different. It has to be better and different and better. Um, that does work though. Like we tried that and it works. If you, what I recommend is if you're just starting off online, use the resources you have online, not to worry about building a huge following overnight, but just to be targeted with the people that you want to attract and get the right people to see whatever it is that you want to sell. So for instance, I'll give you an example. One strategy my students have been using recently is they've been using Quora. They've been going on Quora, which if you guys don't know what Quora is, it's like this forum where experts can ask and answer questions. And anyone can answer questions. They've been going on Quora and they've been looking for areas of expertise that they can offer good advice in. They've been offering advice on Quora and directing people back to an email list or a YouTube channel or a podcast or a Facebook group. And just using Quora as a tool for that, they're building email lists with tens of thousands of people. One of our students has already made six figures just off Quora. And what I like about that is that it solves a problem directly. You can go into Quora and say, what problems are people experiencing right now? Hmm, people are having trouble uh, managing their emotions with dieting. Maybe there's some way I could help with that. Am I a nutrition consultant? Can I make a course on that if you can really do that? Or people are saying, hmm, uh, seems like, um, it seems like people want to know more about e-commerce. 
well, I have an e-commerce store. Maybe I could lend some advice. So rather than going out and getting on Instagram, because everyone, you're late to the party on Instagram. Sorry, hate to say it. You're late. Okay. Rather than trying to build a Facebook page, this isn't going to work. Rather than trying to, um, to run ads and losing money, go to where real users are, research what problems we're having, and then start your business, not based on what's trendy, start your business based on the problems real people are having. Because if you're following a trend, you're going to be last in the trend, you know? So get to the front of the line by figuring out what problems people are having first. I, I absolutely love this, man. I just actually got off a, a call with Derek Helpburn, right? Yep. Incredible internet marketer and uh, brander. And, you know, he, he was talking with uh, one of the persons in my group. And I think she was talking about time management, saying like people are really struggling with time management. And he's like, you know what, to be honest, we all have the same amount of time as each other. And he's like, that's the surface level when people say, I don't have enough time. He's like, what's the core? Like they don't have enough time to shoot a video. Is it because they're like overweight and they need to go and hit the gym and they're just yeah. holding back and not making time for it because yeah. they're embarrassed to put themselves in front of a camera and that's what's holding back their business. Yeah. You know, like I don't have enough time because it's like maybe your health's not on point and you're sleeping in. Like, so there's like, you, it's going like that extra couple layers deep to finding what's the real core thing and then solving that problem. Uh, Peter Diamandi says it best. He says, you can, if you can solve a billion people's problems, you make a billion dollars. Totally. You get a billion people to pay a dollar each. That's it. Yep. Well, I want to also just frame this by saying like, I know there are going to be some people who are listening who are like, just give us the tactics. And I wish that it was that easy, but the problem, the problem is that if I were to say, okay, like here are three things our business is working on right now. One, it's not going to help you because you're a completely different time, different place, different resources, different whatever. And two, I don't want you to be on the tail end of my trend. That won't help you. I want you to go out and figure out what the next thing is going to be. That's where you're going to be most successful. If you ride my trend, you might work for a little bit, but that's not going to work anymore. And you're always going to be looking for someone to tell you what business to start. You know, that's why business is so hard. <laughs> yeah, right. Ride the curve. Uh, fortune favors the brave. Mm -hmm. It's so true. Dude, you get paid based off the amount of risk you put in, like calculated risk. So true. Like, yeah. People want to, you know, have the website that I have, but they're not willing to put in the work. They're not willing to lay the money on the line. They're not willing to do the experiments that I've done. Same with you. Yep. Like you've worked, you went out there and worked with people like you work with like Ramit Seti, right? Like you worked with people like that were game changers that you like learn from some of the best yep. and almost like would have, I'd say like almost donated your time to try and learn from the best and experimented your way through it and saw and like watch conversions and looked at the data and looked at the analytics and put it together and tried it yourself. And you're like, dude, this Still stuff does not just land on your lap. Still, Still donating. I'm the biggest time donor in the world. I don't get paid yeah. enough per hour. I get paid like 20 bucks an hour. Literally. <laughs> I'm up all the time. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Daniel, tell me this. Your book, can I, can, are you able to announce like how much you were offered for your book deal so that the yeah. audience, is that okay? Because yeah. I think I saw you say that in a video. Otherwise, I wouldn't bring it up. Yeah. So we're offered, I was offered $150,000 for the book. Uh, plus 15,000 from audible. So it's like 165 and that is, that's in the top 5% of all advanced offers. It's pretty high. That's amazing. And yeah. that, that was with penguin, right? Penguin random house. Yep. Penguin random house. Yep. There you go. So what do you believe it was that really, uh, 
got you to the place of being able to be in a position of, of, of receiving that, you know, of being offered that? Like, what is it that made you stand apart to be in the top 5% of uh, authors to get well, a deal like that? If you're just listening to this podcast on audio, you can't see my face. My face is the main reason. Uh, but <laughs> so I, I, think, I think what it is, is uh, I think, okay, I think a few things. First of all, and, and again, I, I'm just being honest with why I think it was. First thing is in late 2015, when I got the book deal, because I got the book deal in November 2015, this is when, from my perspective, influencer culture was just starting to take its first little baby steps. Influencers have been around for a while, but we started to coin this term over the past two years. Um, everything is influencer, influencer, influencer. And it is, it is, it was, and still is a trend now for big old media like television and book publishing houses to look to new media like mm. social media, YouTube, blog space, um, Vine, when Vine was the thing, look to the new media to say, where can we, who can we pull from to like basically stack our roster up? So right. this was a calculated play. I started working on this two years prior to getting the book deal, building up the following, building up the email list, building up the visibility, getting published in big magazines. And then I took that as a package and said, hey, listen, look at all these things that I've amassed. So when I went there, I think our email list was like 40, 50,000. Our social media was going well and everything was going well. And that was the most attractive thing. So I think it was like a confluence of timing because influencer culture is now taking off. And I'm going to put it to you this way, without telling you everything that we're about to do in our business, again, heed my words, influencer culture is taking off. Pay attention to what's happening, okay? Because we're at the very, very beginning of influencer culture. And if you can understand, you don't have to own the whole audience. You just have to understand how to capitalize on it. But with, with the way that the market was trending, plus the fact that I've been putting in the work to package myself for a few years, that was the big thing. And then I think the second thing is um, having a great agent. My agent is awesome. So I pick a really good agent who's also done good books in your space. And, um, and then just having a lot of confidence that you're, that you're worth the money, you know, that, because if you go in there with lower expectations, people will offer you less. Sure. You know, and you just have to be, be willing to put yourself out there, you know? Totally. I love this, man. We're the two sides of the coin. So you've gone in on the publishing deal. I'm self-publishing mm -hmm. and I'm going to share my experience with self-publishing and I think it's really cool to see like what's, what's possible in this world. Right now in this podcast episode, we're like not going on the book, which I think most of the interviews you've done are probably just that, but like we're yeah. going like mindset. What's the mindset? And also what's the behind the scenes? Because I think this is really important because we've got a good, like I'd say a good 90% of the audience have something going on or aspiring for something. So they want to know what some of the mechanics are. So I love that you're breaking this down. I, I like, I really appreciate your time on this. Um, so you got, let's say you got 165,000. That's, that's a good amount of money, dude. That's some mm -hmm. solid amount of money. Yeah. What do you feel so far has been the best investment? Cause you got to put that money into obviously editors, right? And mm -hmm. if a couple other things like book design and prints and that, but what, what do you think uh, has been a great investment in the way of marketing your book for you that you can see so far? Cause the book's not like the book is just like just dropping, right? But like, yeah. what do you think leading up to it is a good investment so far? It's hard to tell ROI yet because we, you know, the book's not out. Uh, totally. But I will say this. I will say that um, that m part of the money that went into the book 
we went, we put into like rebranding our website. We put into um, building some, some assets that weren't directly related to the book promotion. So like we did hire a PR firm, which we then fired. Uh, and then we did, and then we did, uh, we did like, you know, we ran some Facebook ads and we'll do, we'll continue to use that like for traditional marketing. But I think where we are really looking into the future is saying, okay, this money that we got for the book is to spend on the book's marketing, but the book is bigger than just this one week of promotion. As we've been discussing, the book is a movement. The book is this, like this, this, you know, event that hopefully will last for a long time. So we rebranded the website. We hired some core team members. We, we, we put it into the company. And so we know that the, a stronger company will help to make the book launch stronger. Get better designers, all this shit, you know? Awesome. Yeah, you got to have that SWAT team. Oh, yeah. It goes totally. in, goes in with you. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Love that. Great, great advice, man. Great advice. So, Daniel, where can they find your book? And how can anyone that's listening to this right now get in touch with you or see more of your content? Well, look, I'm going to be 29 in about a week and a half now. So, Rich 20 something is still very alive. Uh, when I hit 30, who knows, I might go away, but while you have me, every social media at rich 20 something, Daniel at rich 20 something.com. One of the things that I'm famous for is that I actually reply to people. I know it's a, it's an amazing concept. That's right. I actually reply. And within the same context, you can find the book at rich 20 something.com slash book. You can go on Amazon and find it. Although New York times doesn't like that. They prefer you buy from Barnes and Noble, which it will also be. Uh, located in all the bookstores borders if borders was alive it'd be at borders too but borders is dead right 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 <laughs> right so guys pick it up at at, at uh barnes and nobles if you can we're trying to get uh daniel to new york times because he deserves it oh amazon is, fine. amazon is fine i'm just kidding and, and amazon <laughs> there you go there you go <laughs> awesome man awesome dude thank you so much i really appreciate that appreciate uh, you've got a mixtape out as well right oh yeah i forgot man <laughs> yeah just scrap the whole scrap the whole thing scrap the whole interview we're just talking about the mixtape yeah <laughs> yeah i dropped a mixtape uh this month too so that's a book i think i feel like a book and a mixtape in one year i can be like i just need to take a break I'm, i feel like i'm pretty good did you say tupac dropped like three albums in a year or something he like dropped, that tupac dropped um he dropped like 12 albums in a, in a two-year period he did 12 albums like the material worth of 12 albums uh, wow. three movies and a book in two years. So, and he was 25 when he died. So, you know, Pablo Picasso, 40, last thing I'll add, like about Picasso, really interesting. The, the, there's a famous saying that a piece of paper was worth more in his hand than in the U S mint. Think about that. Wow. He could take wow, a piece of paper wow, wow. and make it worth more than printing money on it. Isn't that amazing? So we're trying to that's, get to, man. So when you strive, yeah, you want to strive for that. That's where yeah. you want to be at. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> awesome stuff, yeah. man. So insightful, so impactful. Dude, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. Now, before we wrap up this interview, I always ask the, uh, end the interview with this last question, right? And this question is, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound oh, like? Oh, come on. You didn't prep me for this. Do it. Do it, bro. Yeah, yeah, I'd never prep anyone for this, dude. <laughs> so like, do I know Tony Robbins, Tony Robbins tripped on this. He was like, oh, uh, uh, all right, let me compose myself. And then he delivered, he killed it, but of course no pressure. Did, did, so, okay, so the way you're framing this is, Tony Robbins killed this, now go. Okay, sure, <laughs> sure. Um, do I know that I'm dying or is it a surprise death? 
channel two pack. Nah, <laughs> okay. nah. um, no, it's just like, it's, it's like your parting advice for the world. Okay. Okay. Um, all this is happening in real time. Two things you need to know. One, your head is not your home. You spend a lot of time up here, a lot of time thinking about the future that hasn't happened yet or trying to relive the past and trying to correct things that have already gone wrong. But life is meant to be lived, not to be just thought of. It's, it's, your head is not your home. And the second thing is, the second thing is enjoy the ride. There's a lot of unnecessary anxiety that comes with just being a human because of the different, the different, this means that. Everyone has a this means that. When this happens to me, it means that I'll feel like this. When this happens to me, that is supposed to happen. But a lot of times we can't control these things. And so I say, enjoy the ride, man, because you only get one. And if you ever feel like, like you're losing touch, take a second, meditate, listen to some Alan Watts, smoke a J, you'll be okay. <laughs>